our message here tonight, uh, it, it's just simply called The Necessity of Prayer. And uh, there's going to be a follow-up to this. Uh, it's going to be a little more practical. Uh, tonight is going to be a little more, uh, and in fact, uh, Lord, I do pray tonight that uh, you would take your word as we look at your word tonight, and you would cause there to be deeper revelation for every single one of us. No matter where we are, Lord, in our prayer journey, uh, in our journey with you, let there be a deeper revelation of your purpose for prayer in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so that's what we want to get into a little bit here tonight is just some of, uh, some of the why. How did God design things? What does he say in his word about prayer? you know, and, and uh, the, the need for his people uh, to be people of prayer. And then uh, in a few weeks when, when I uh, circle back, I want to talk a little bit about intercession and God's calling for every single one of us to be an, uh, an intercessor. You know, there is a ministry and a calling uh, from Holy Spirit uh, for, for the ministry of intercession, uh, where there are folks that, that their lives are just given to prayer and mobilizing prayer and, and deep things in the spirit. Uh, so there's certain people that have different levels of that calling, but every one of us is called uh, to intercede. And, and really that word just simply means, uh, you know, praying for others. You know, we, we've come up with these, these uh, kind of bigger church words that sometimes, you know, if we're not in the church world, you know, we're kind of saying, well, what are, what are these words talking about? So we talk about petitions and we talk about intercession. And uh, petition is when we pray on behalf of the needs that we have. And intercession is when we stand in the gap on behalf of somebody else. And so, you know, oftentimes as new believers, we're very aware of our own needs and our own petitions. And, uh, and that's where we start with our prayer, you know, and that's okay. Petition is not wrong, right? When we look at the, the pattern and the model that Jesus gave, when the disciples said, how should we pray? They were to pray for their daily bread and deliver us from temptation and, you know, these, these different things. Um, but along with that, the Lord wants us to be praying for others. And, and we're going to get into that, um, you know, just look at more of the broad scope of prayer here today. So, um, so I just want to begin. Uh, l let's ask ourselves the question. So why does God ask us to pray? You know, why is it ultimately that, that, that he has asked us to be people of prayer? Um, God's given us a Bible full of answers to many of the whys of life, you know, the why behind things. Uh, there's also some things that are just mysteries. They're going to be mysteries this side of heaven, you know, and we'll find out when we see him face to face, and that's okay too. Uh, but when it comes to prayer and the why of prayer, that is something that the Lord has shown us scripturally, you, you know, what the deal is with prayer. Um, and, and, and what we we want to talk about tonight when we're talking about prayer is specifically why do we need to pray in light of God's sovereignty? God is sovereign, King, Lord over everything. God, by the very definition of his name, is, is over everything and all powerful. So why is it that God asks us to pray and be uh, to pray. Before I forget, too, I, I wanted to mention here tonight that um, a lot of this study uh, many years ago, uh, I was um, doing some reading on prayer, and Dutch Sheets, uh, who's a Bible teacher in the Body of Christ, probably many of you know him. Uh, there were several of his books that I was just kind of plowing through and just doing Bible studies, and and uh, I got a lot of um, this study that we look into tonight are things that I pulled out of my study with him. You know, so I say that for two reasons. A lot of times. 
sometimes, you know, we, we want to do our best to go back and point back to, you know, the person who, who did, did work for us that we can now use into what we share. But also, if you might be interested too, his book, uh, Intercessory Prayer, uh, and then I think the other one is called Intercession for Beginners or Prayer for Beginners. Uh, but, but again, just great books if we're wanting to really dig into uh, a biblical picture of why prayer is so important. But, uh, you, you know, and for us, you know, at the Church of Grace and Peace, you know, as, as leadership seeking God's face, we have laid out uh, what we call our, our elder targets. And, and they're, they're kind of fixed targets that we know God has us aiming at as a church family. Things that we're to be pursuing, things that we are to make sure are priority, things that we don't let go of. And our very first one is that God has called grace and peace to be a people and a place of prayer. So, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so blessed because I feel like there has been um, a, a momentum of prayer that has been building and growing um, e- even in, in concentrated form in just this last couple of years. There's, there's, you know, we went from praying one Sunday night a month to uh, when COVID shut down and everything happened, we got onto the prayer call instead. And now with the exception of a holiday here and there, we for about two years, two plus years, have been praying every single Sunday evening. You know, and those in-person Sunday nights, you know, uh, sometimes higher, sometimes lower, but we'd maybe average 15 to 20 people out. Uh, a lot of times on the prayer call, there's, there's close to 50 people who are joining in an agreement and praying together. Uh, and there's a little bit of discipleship that goes on into what, what is God saying prophetically and, and it's prayer for revival. And, you know, uh, and, and our sacred assembly just a, a few weeks back was, was a, a, an important time of prayer and, and testimonies in different ministries uh, making prayer more a part of our culture uh, because God wants us to be a people of prayer. So, so as we look into this, so, so why pray anyway? If God is sovereign, if God, God is all-powerful, uh, let, let's, let's be real for a minute. Do, do our prayers really matter? Amen. It's a good answer. You know, but can it, can it be a temptation to say, well, God's God. Isn't he just going to do what he wants anyway? You know, because if we buy into that kind of thinking, then prayer becomes almost a... Uh, like a, a, a religious routine that we're doing, that, that, you know, form of godliness, but without the power in it, like it says in the word, you know? Can our prayers really change things? Does God need our prayers or does he just want us to pray? That's what I was just alluding to there. Uh, some would argue that God doesn't need anything. I mean, hey, he's God. Uh, can God's will on earth be frustrated or not accomplished? If God's people don't pray. Wow, we're kind of getting, that's kind of heavy, right? When we start thinking about that. Can God's will and purposes be, uh, be frustrated or, or not even be accomplished uh, if God's people don't pray? So understanding this picture of what the why of prayer w- will, uh, will feed and fuel a vision to make room for, let's just face it, for the work of prayer. Prayer is work, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's work to push out the distractions when they come. 
We don't think of the 9,000 chores we have to do until we stop for a moment and say, let me just start to pray, you know, and then, and, and it's amazing, you know, the distractions and things that will come along, you know, uh, it's amazing how just slumber will want to come upon us when, when we take a moment to pray, right? Um, so uh, S.D. Gordon uh, you know, man of God uh, from, from time past here said, you can do more than pray after you prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer is striking the winning blow. Then service is gathering the results. You, you know, I, I would see on social media over the years when there would be uh, a hurricane, you, you know, a, a war, a situation going on, and, 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 and people would put on their, on their Facebook post, you know, pray for this area, pray for this nation, pray for this, this people group, whatever it is. You, you know, and, and, and I, would, I would start to see people put these kind of curmudgeon responses like, hey, how about you do more than pray? How about you do something? You know, and, and uh, you know, maybe that's coming from somebody who isn't a believer, uh, but, you know, I just wonder if sometimes believers kind of buy into that too. It's like, well, okay, fine, pray, but we got to do something. And, and hopefully uh, on the other side of tonight, if we aren't already, you know, rock solid on this, our hearts will be really stirred with this truth that S.D. Gordon is laying out. You know, prayer strikes the winning blow and then service, the follow-up, is what is just gathering in the results. Church, can you say amen to that? Man, I, I tell you, we just got to get that down in our spirit. We, we, we haven't done it until we've prayed it. And, and we're even going to look at it tonight. And what does that mean, pray it? When do we stop praying it? We pray until it's time to be done praying. And then we'll see the breakthrough that God is calling us to. John Wesley said, God does nothing on earth save an answer to believing prayer. Wow, let's let that one sit, you know, soak in for a minute. So if God's going to do something regardless of whether or not we pray, then he doesn't need us to ask and we don't need to just go through all of that, that, that time. But the truth is God works on the earth through believing prayer. By the way, too, when we talk about numbers of, of people gathering on for prayer, that's wonderful. But how many know a hundred people praying without any faith or vision or understanding or belief of what God wants to do with it can't touch Two people that are praying in faith, in agreement, right? You know, so, so uh, yes, it, so part of the call here is that, that more, more uh, in our body would catch uh, a burden for prayer in every facet, personally, in our homes and families, in, in our circles of influence here in our church, family and community, uh, but we want it to be believing prayer. That, that's part of what we want to look in here tonight. So again, this idea, is prayer really necessary? Here's really what we're asking. Does a sovereign, all-powerful God need our involvement or not? Is prayer really necessary? And if so, why is it? And, and you're already uh, tracking along, yes, it is necessary. How many know our prayers can bring revival? How many know God's been working in our midst and we've been paving the way for, for well, well, well over two years, but it's been intensified just for the last couple of years. It should be no surprise that God is responding to the prayers of his people, right? Uh, prayers can bring revival. They can bring healing. They can change a nation. Strongholds can come down when and because we pray. Another uh, uh, 
real great man of God known for prayer, uh, Ian Bounds, he said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. J just catch a picture for that. The more praying there is, the better the world will be. The mightier the force against evil, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. So, you know, we, we, we get a fresh revelation of that. We'll start clawing away to make more room for prayer in our lives. And that now prayer isn't a, a, a token thing that we do to try to get God to do something. It's a recognition that it, it, it's, a, it's a mechanism that God has chosen to use to shape things on the earth. Amen? All right. So... So for us to better understand this, let's go back to God's original plan. And so the, the, the answer to, well, so does God, you know, do we need to pray or not? It really goes back to the garden. God created Adam, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, and he, he told Adam, Eve, mankind to take dominion over the earth. Uh, so Adam and Eve and their descendants were to uh, have dominion over all of creation, ultimately. Let's look in Genesis 1. 26 to 28, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And, and we also see, you know, talking about God's, God's plan of giving dominion, rulership on the earth over to mankind in Psalm 8. Let's take a look starting in verse 3. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. So let's pay attention to that. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and all that swim the paths of the seas. So we, we see it literally when it happened, you, you know, there back in Genesis and creation. We see the psalmist echoing this. Um, you, you know, so ultimately... This word ruler, you know, that, that mankind uh, is to be rulers that we just read in Psalm 8 verse 6. Uh, the word in Hebrew, uh, I, I, I'm sure I won't be saying this with the proper uh, accent to it or whatever, but it's uh, mashal, mashal, tomato, tomato, M-A-S-H-A-L. All right, that's the word. Um, and, and it's the word that we just read was translated rulers. But there, there's a connotation to that word that speaks of being a manager, a steward, or a governor. You know, when we realize when somebody is in any one of those posts, they are working on behalf of another. They have authority, they, they uh, can carry things out, and they do it with the authority that's given by another. Um, in, in Psalm 115, verse 16, uh, one translation says, the heaven, the eternal, holds himself, but the earth he has assigned to men. 
So that speaks of this delegated authority, this stewardship, this governorship that's been given to humanity. Uh, you, you know, rulership on the earth, God has, has assigned to mankind. The word there is Nathan, N A T H A N, and it's frequently translated given, but it's more than given, it's given with stewardship, with an assigned authority. In the NIV, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Okay, so we're, we're laying out this picture. So God has created mankind in his image. God has told mankind to uh, rule over the earth, to subdue it. And this is an assigned delegated task that's been given to us. But God didn't give away ownership of the earth. Uh, but he did assign responsibility to the earth. So, so when we read things in the Bible where it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the earth is the Lord's. But then we see also, the Bible also says, hey, he has given the earth to, to humanity. So is it the Lord's or is it humanity's? Well, well, we see it in these words, given, that word given in, in our original Hebrew there is speaking of given with, with authority on behalf of, as a steward on behalf of. Uh, we can also see this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep the garden. So notice that word keep, to tend the garden, to keep the garden. So as, as a newer believer for many years, I thought, you know, that was, okay, they got the gardener's anointing. What does it mean to keep the garden? It means to pull the weeds. It means to put the fertilizer down. It means to plant in the right season. All, all those kinds of things. But it's interesting, the word keep, again, another uh, Hebrew word, shamar, it means to guard or to protect, so, wow, we're really getting a picture here, aren't we? Stewardship on behalf of God. The earth's been given to man, assigned to him, but the earth is the Lord's. And now uh, Adam is put in the garden, not only to tend it and, you know, all the green thumb stuff, but he is, he is to be a watchman. Um, as a matter of fact, this word used to keep the garden in Genesis is used in other places in reference to a watchman watching on the wall. For, for protection. So Adam was God's watchman or guardian on the earth. How things went, here's where we're going ultimately, how things went on the earth for better or worse uh, was directly tied in with humanity, with Adam and Eve and their descendants. Can you say amen? Everybody tracking so far? So complete and final was Adam's authority over the earth that he, not just God, had the ability to give it away to another. And so that's what we see, right? How do we, you know, let, let's put some more scripture together. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, the heavens are the Lord's, but he has given the earth to man. You know, uh, you, you know uh, uh, the, the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. The enemy says, well, all this stuff is mine and I can give it to you. You know, so, so, you know, in one spot, God's the ruler. In another spot, Adam's the ruler and, and humanity. In another spot, the devil's the ruler. You know, and, and what we see unfold is actually with the fall of man in the garden, that delegated authority that was given to man is now turned over and now the enemy is allowed to be in rulership. But notice right in that moment, as God is dealing with Adam, as God is dealing with Eve, he deals with the devil. And, and this, is, this is our first, first little seed picture of the cross that's coming right back in Genesis 3.15. You know, devil, serpent, there's one coming. You're going to bruise his heel. You know, speaking of the cross. But he's going to crush your head. 
And again, that's not, that, that word head is not so much his anatomical head as it is his headship. You know, so right there in the garden when the devil goes, I, I snuck it away, I stole it. I stole from humanity. They disobeyed God, they've fallen. Now the earth is mine. God says, yep, and one's coming that's gonna crush your head. And, and then of course we see him trying to chase God's plan all the way through, but aren't you so glad he loses every single time? Right? He can't win. So, so complete and final was Adam's authority over the earth that he not just, not just God, but Adam uh, as well had the ability to give it away to another. And again, just, just what Luke 4, 6 and 7, this is the, the devil talking, Satan talking here. He says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. So again, so complete and final was God's decision to do things on earth. Remember, we're, all of this we're unpacking to answer the, the question, does it really matter if I pray, right? So, so complete and final was God's decision to do things on the earth through people that it cost God the incarnation to regain what Adam gave away. You know how people will say, don't all religions say the same thing? Don't all roads lead to God? No, no way. God had relegated this authority. Uh, no man could save themselves. So God had to go and become the man that mankind couldn't be because mankind was fallen. And so the, the perfect, eternally existent son of God, uh, you know, experiences the incarnation to regain back what Adam gave away. And he became a part of the human race. So, without question, human beings are forever linked to God's authority and activity on the earth. Amen? I just pray that that would soak in. You know, that that's something that we would just allow to continue to renew vision in our hearts for prayer. So, this is the reason for the necessity of prayer. God chose from the time of creation to work through people not independent of them. He always has and he always will, even at the cost of becoming one. So although God is sovereign, although God is all-powerful, the word of God clearly teaches that he limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to work through human beings. And therein is the answer. He limited himself to work through us, and we just saw the picture of why through the, the delegated authority that he, he gave to us. Um, so, hey, doesn't, from a, a worldview perspective, doesn't that make a ton of sense? God's powerful, God's good, God's loving, God's merciful, and the world at the same time is evil, rotten, and full of mess. How is that? How is that that, that it's that way? Not because God wills it so, but because he has designed things that he will work through people to carry his will out throughout the earth. You know, when, when people will come and challenge, well, if God is uh, such a loving God, why isn't that going on? And a lot of times I'll say, well, you know what? I wonder if the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years, if we lived sold out for him, just totally surrendered, rather than being the people that needed to, that backslid, 
and needed to be revived and backslid and needed to be revived and backslid and needed to be revived. And all that time in between, if for 2,000 years, God's people were just with all the love in their heart, just ferociously going after God with all their love and, and, and what would the world look a little bit different right now, right? You know, that, that's not for us to be in condemnation and shame, but oh, that, that challenges my heart. Lord, at least in my generation, I want to step up. You, you know, and, uh, and, and I see myself and I say, Lord, oh, I got I to gotta live in light of this. It, it, if I live in light of this, it will change what I see as priority in my life, right? So in Scripture, we see God and people, for better or worse, doing it together. We see God needing faithful men and women. We see God needing prophets, God needing judges, God needing a human Messiah, God needing human hands to heal, human voices to speak, human feet to go. And again, uh, understand the context of this word need is because God chose to limit himself to work on, uh, on the earth through people. Uh, so let me give us three examples from scripture where we see this cooperation going on. People doing what God is asking them to do, praying in faith and believing. All right, let's look at Elijah first. So in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we won't go through chapter 18, but I'm just referencing it. Um, th there's a story that's given of God using a prophet to accomplish his will through prayer. And this account is of Elijah. He prays for the rain to cease and it stops raining uh, for three years. There's three years of drought. Because Elijah did what God had asked him to do. And then when, is it when it was time for it to rain again, uh, God speaks to Elijah and says, now you go and you speak out my will. You know, he spoke out. I mean, God controls all of the earth, but he's working, he's working in humanity here and he's working through his person. Now notice here, James 5, 17 and 18, it says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. So in other words, the scriptures are telling us he wasn't some superhero. He, he was a person just like us. Isn't that good news? Just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So when we go back and we look at that story in 1 Kings 18, it's interesting, uh, Elijah, he prays seven times. And how many know when the word of God gives us numbers, it's not haphazard? You know, and uh, numbers have, have certain points that God is getting across. And, and, and the number seven, uh, you, you know, seven days of creation, uh, seven has to do with completion. It has to do with perfection. And a very, very telling here, uh, Elijah, a couple of things that are interesting. Uh, when he prayed, he, he postured himself what was in the Hebrew birthing position. And seven times he had the servant to go, look, is it raining yet? 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 You know, and, and it was in, in that seventh time, that picture of praying through to completion. You know, uh, I see a cloud the size of a fist, you know, uh, on the horizon there. And interesting that he's, you know, he's not laying out, uh, you, know, uh, you know, spread out on the ground, prostrate. Got to make sure I say the right word there. Yeah, because it gets real weird when you know, those words are easy to mi mix up, you know. So, but, but, so 
we, the, the, I think the point God is trying to get across, among, among other things in the picture, is God will have us birth things through prayer. And so the minute something is conceived to the point of delivery is not snap of a finger in a microwave. There's a predetermined period of time of when, of when something is birthed uh, in, in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And that's something that I really want to encourage us to get a hold of this evening too. There, there are times where we will pray and there will be a necessity to keep praying. Now, now hear me. Let me balance this very clearly. I'm not saying keep praying like, like when I was a nagging kid and I wanted a toy and I asked my parents enough times until just out of sheer desperation, I wore them down, you know, or got in trouble, one or the other, you know, but just kind of worked that through until one way or the other I was going to get an answer. That's not what God is calling us to do. As a matter of fact, the Bible says don't do vain repetitions, and we don't have to talk God into his will. But there, there is in prayer also a picture of um, as a matter of fact, we see, we see in Scripture bowls, that when those bowls are filled up, it talks about the prayers of the saints. And then when those bowls are pil- uh, filled up, they're poured out. You know, so when we talk about praying for revival, praying for God to revive his people, so that's something that we've been concentrating on, intentionally focusing on for these last couple of years. Um, we're not talking God into getting in the mood. We're not talking God out of being upset and saying, oh, I can't be mad anymore. Okay, you prayed for two and a half years. Here it comes, right? No, but instead there, there's this um, seeking, believing, calling, declaring, birthing what God wants to see accomplished. Now, now, there's no formula for this church, right? There's no, you know, book where we can look up, well, how long do I have to pray for this kind of miracle? You know, uh, man, we need some extra income this month. What, what chapter do I look up to for how long I'm supposed to pray until I get that extra 300 bucks I need for rent? Or, you, you, you know, it's, we, we continue to seek, believe, declare, cry out, speak God's promises, God's word until we see it manifest. Can you say amen? Now, now, when, when we pray for something that, that's God's will, a, a promise in the word of God, we pray it, we receive it, and now I, don't, I might not see it yet, but I know God has heard and I know God is moving. But there are times where that might necessitate me continuing to pray. You know, I think of George Mueller. He's a guy who um, was interviewed... I want to say 1800s, 1800s George Mueller, and he, he ran an orphanage. It wound up being several orphanages by faith. And he was in, interviewed by a journalist, and the journalist asked him, um, was there ever a prayer that you prayed that wasn't answered? And he said, there has never been a prayer that George Mueller has prayed that has not been answered. And then he stopped, and he said, well, there's one that's not been answered yet. And he said, I'm praying for the son uh, of, of a friend who's not given his heart to the Lord, is not saved yet. But he will be because George Mueller is praying. And he wasn't saying that out of arrogance. He was saying that because he believed his God. I, I, I am a person who's praying and believing. But what I'm saying is he prayed, he believed, he continued to pray, he continued to believe. And actually after his passing, as George Mueller's uh, casket was being lowered in the ground, that friend's son 
bowed his knee at the funeral and gave his heart to Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so I, I just want to be so careful on this that I, I want to make sure we hear that so loudly and clear. We are not, we, we don't want to get to vain repetition. We don't want to think we're talking God into doing his will. But particularly when we're praying for a move of God, when we're praying for God to touch our government, you know, there's a war going on in Ukraine. That's not a, that's not a prayer where we say, Lord, just bring breakthrough for Ukraine in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's done, and then we just don't return to it. There is intercession. There's prayer in the Holy Ghost that has to happen. There's people praying all around the world that are calling, you know, sometimes there's things that have complexities to them that we need to just pray out in the spirit, you know, and that's why we have, we have, we do have a, a scripture uh, that does talk about the unjust judge, right, where, where the, the, the woman went to the unjust ju- judge, and the idea of, of the verse is, hey, if this unjust judge gave this person what they wanted because of their persistence, how much more will God hear because he's a righteous, loving, merciful God, right, um, but when we think of when we think of this fact, our prayers can change our, our church. They can change our community, our county. They can change our state. They can change our nation. I mean, impossible things that we're looking at. Abortion is crumbling in America. And there have been decades, decades of ferocious prayer that have been going on to see that principality brought down and cast down. And it's not, it's not done yet, you know, but there are things happening, uh, you, you know, here today that, that you, you know, in the natural, we're like, how do we get from here to there? Oh, man, praying people, continuing to believe God and cry out and make room in their lives to lay their lives down to be intercessors on behalf of God's will in the earth. Amen? So back to Elijah, uh, the conclusion is uh, we do have to ask, even when it's God's will, God says, it's time for it to rain again. Elijah, I want you to go speak it out. You, you know, uh, it was God's will, but he had to go speak it out. Andrew Murray said, God's giving is inseparably connected with our asking. Only by intercession can that power be brought down from heaven, which will enable the church to conquer the world. So as Elijah's, uh, you know, as he needed perseverance in some situations, prayer actually releases, uh, and actually this particular point right here, this is something specific that I remember Dutch was talking about in the book and he was sharing certain um, testimonials and things like that. Sometimes as we're praying, it's releasing uh, cumulative pourings out of God's power. Amen? Amen. Sometimes God will do a miracle and it's instantaneous. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for when, when, when he's doing that. When the gifts are in operation, a lot of times those gifts, things are happening on the spot instantaneously. You know, uh, but then there's times when we're praying in faith, when we're operating as God's people of prayer, advancing his will in the earth. I just love the way that was worded, releasing cumulative amounts of God's power until enough has been released to accomplish his will. So how do I know where that is? We, we pray until it's done. You know, an interesting, um, an interesting illustration 
There was a young man uh, in our youth ministry uh, up at Calvary Temple. And it, we, we did a little all-nighter before going on to uh, a missions trip to Jamaica. And we had a time where we were getting into prayer and intercession. And he was filled with the Spirit. And he was accustomed to speaking in tongues. But we, we were really going at it, um, seeking God for people to be touched and, and saved and, and for God to move in power. And, and he began to get a burden of intercession that he never got before. He was praying out in tongues with such intensity that he started, his gut started to just almost wrench and he began to weep and he began to sob and to the point where he came over to me and he said, like, what's going on? You know, and, uh, uh, you know, I just encouraged him, you're in intercession, God's put a burden on you, pray until that breaks, pray until that's gone. And I, I can't even at this point tell you how long it was, whether it was 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. But he's just off on, on the side and he was wailing and he was carrying on. And then that broke into joy, you know, and that, that was a moment of him praying until whatever Holy Spirit wanted accomplished uh, was, was done on behalf of whoever that touched. Amen. You know, so, so there's a lot of different ways where we can make application. Really, the takeaway for us that I want us to understand is there's no such thing as wasted time in prayer. And I think one of the biggest hurdles in our modern American culture is that we have immediate access to everything. I know we've mentioned this in messages in the past, but as this applies to prayer and perseverance and God's will and believing him, church, when we know it's his will, let's just pray and not let go until it's done. Just, just not let go un until it's done. So the second example we'll look at here is Daniel. Uh, in 606 BC, Israel had been taken captive uh, by another nation because of their sin. Years later, Daniel is reading uh, the prophet Jeremiah and he discovers that it was time for Israel's captivity to end. He, he's like saying, hey, this 70 years has come up. Um, but he did something very different. He didn't sit and wait for it to happen. He didn't say 70 years is up. Let me go out and let me just start watching to see what God will do. It says in Daniel 9.3, he said, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth, and in ashes. So Daniel's living, I mean, man, I don't know, how many in the room have read the book of Daniel? He was a righteous, sold out for God, uncompromising guy. But recognizing what was at stake here, the return of God's people back to the land after 70 years of exile, he's God's, God's going to work through him. He's going to stand in intercession, repenting on behalf of, uh, you know, the, the sin that's been committed by God's people. Paul Bilheimer said, Daniel evidently realized that intercession had a part to play in bringing the prophecy to pass. So whenever we get a prophetic word, church, it's not a sit and wait and watch. We got to get into agreement with it. We have to, uh, you know, stand in intercession with what God is wanting to bring to pass. Can you say amen? amen. So uh, God uh, had made the prophecy and when it was time for fulfillment, he didn't fulfill it arbitrarily outside his program of prayer. He sought for a man upon whose heart he could lay a burden of intercession and as always, God made the decision in heaven. A person on earth was called upon to enforce the, enforce the decision through intercession and faith, believing God.
Uh, the, the last one that we'll look at here as examples of God working his will on the earth through people is Ezekiel. Uh, now let's notice uh, Acts 17, 24 to 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples but uh, built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So God's existence, God's character is completely independent of any created thing. But we see over and over again, God works on the earth through people. Um, God in, in Job 41 says, everything under heaven belongs to me. Uh, we see again in Psalm 50, same thing. But let's look at Ezekiel chapter 22. God says this, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bring down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. So we, we got to remember that God's attributes, right? He is perfectly righteous, just, and holy. And because of that, God can't fellowship with sin. He can't wink at sin. He can't just let it. It has to be dealt with. But God is also perfectly loving, gracious, merciful. And so God is recognizing here, I need, God, God has relegated authority on the earth to mankind. I need mankind to come and pull on my grace and my mercy and my love so that my holiness, righteousness, justice does not need to judge all that's going on here. Wow. Ezekiel thirty three eleven. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked would turn from their way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Right, the, uh, uh, it was James and John, the, the sons of thunder, you know, at one point, you know, in, in the ministry life of Jesus, they were, they were dealing with some people that weren't cooperating, and they say to Jesus, should we call down a fire on them? Should we just, you know, burn them up? You know, and Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. You know, uh, the, the attitude of God's people shouldn't be, oh, look at those righteous. Get them, God. Get them. Get them. You know, instead, we should be watchmen on the wall, standing in the gap, interceding so that God could hear, so God could pour out revival, so that God could, could heal them. Can you say amen? So just tying all this up here, wrapping us up, the implications of what we're talking about here, they're pretty weighty. Uh, if God doesn't want the earth in the shape that it's in right now, one of two things is going on. Either God doesn't have the power to do anything about it, and we know that's not true, or God needs and is waiting on people uh, to, to work with him to bring those changes about. Amen? Peter Wagner said, we must understand that our sovereign God has for his own reasons so designed this world that much of what is truly his will, so not all, but much of what is truly his will, he makes contingent on the attitudes and actions of human beings. He allows humans to make decisions that can influence history. And human inaction does not nullify the atonement, but human inaction can make the 
atonement ineffective for lost people. Wow. So what a, what a precious privilege that we have. A responsibility and a privilege. Uh, and, and if we allow it, this revelation can elevate our hearts to be a people of prayer like we never have been before. It can affect the way we live. You know, we're, we're called to be uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, we're, we're a chosen generation. Royal priests, priests who come and minister to the Lord and stand in the gap on behalf of people. We have this wonderful privilege, this wonderful opportunity as we seek God in prayer. Can you say amen? amen. So, hey, the, the, the takeaway for us tonight is, is just to, to ask ourselves, so wh where am I at in, in regard to recognizing this truth? Do I see my own prayer life as uh, just something that God asks of me, but he's, he's God, so he'll do whatever he wants anyway? Or do we recognize that, wow, the absence of prayer in our lives, man, it's heavy. The absence of prayer in our lives could thwart what God wants to do in people around us. And, and church, you know my heart. I don't say that in tones for us to get, to get weird and to get into condemnation and guilt and all that stuff. I say that, that as we understand that responsibility, all oh, it would put a fire in our hearts, right? That we'd really begin to see in the world around us. See, you really are uniquely, beautifully crafted as a one-of-a-kind person in the world right now. And everything in your life experience up to this point, anything that you look at and you'd say, yeah, but there's been this, there's been this, there's been this. Don't let the enemy say to you that that disqualifies you from being that royal priest, that holy nation, that peculiar person that God wants to use to intercede. Because what the enemy means for evil, God will turn around for good. What the enemy meant to destroy you, what the enemy meant to be something that would take you out, in God's hands, he will restore, he will break it off, he will heal, he'll do whatever, whatever God needs to do to have us in that posture where we can be carriers of his love and his salvation to the world around us. And because you're so unique, the, our culture spends so much time trying to get us shaped uh, like everybody else, right? Isn't, isn't that cancel culture? You, you know, just, just, just in, its, in its most basic form, you know, you're not behaving like the way this group is saying, so we will just so exert pressure, you, you know. The, the truth is at the end of the day, you being uniquely you is exactly what God needs. And there's going to be a, a pathway that you walk through life and, and circles of influence where you're going to be able to touch people in a way that nobody else is going to be able to impact. And, and so, it, you know, it's not it, it, this... This doesn't need to be a crushing burden on us. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't be a crushing burden on us. What it should be is uh, an exciting opportunity that we can see before us. Lord, you really want to take my life. You really want to take the, the, the life of each and every individual person here and, and do incredible things through it. Just as we close, I want to share with you, uh, I just feel prompted to share this. Um, Pastor Walt had a fellow that he met, um, George Bakalov, is that how you say his last name? 
Yeah, right, Bakalov. He, he was uh, an apostolic leader that was planting churches all around um, Eastern Europe. And uh, he shared in our pulpit one Sunday morning a bunch of years back. And he was sharing about the level of prayer and intercession that the body of Christ had stepped into in these churches. And he, he said that when they were gathered together and they would begin to pray and they would pray out in the spirit, the room would fill to a point where it just sounded like rushing water because people were lifting their voices up, praying in their language, praying in tongues, and Holy Spirit was just working through their prayers. And, and I'm just sharing some, some vision and some heart with you. Church, the Lord spoke to me immediately in, in that moment and said to me, that is what I want for the church of grace and peace. That, that, that we would be across our church family, across our congregation, when the time comes to lift our voice in prayer, that, that it would just be this, the sound of, 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 of rushing water because voices are being so lifted up and crying out. And, and then we're moving heaven and earth because God is working his will through people, through his people. Amen? So, so however that unfolds, however that un unpacks in our lives, I, I think it's definitely something that starts behind the scenes, that we just continue to press in, that we just continue to make the decision to make that room for prayer in our own personal lives uh, and, and just watch for the opportunities for God to continue to cause that to bubble out in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, hey, why don't we close? Why don't we close? And, and let's, let's, in this time of closing, let's ask for a fresh anointing uh, to be people of prayer. And then, and then let's together ask God that he would continue to make the church of grace and peace a people and place of prayer. Praise you, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. You are almighty, all-powerful, creator of the universe, creator of all things, high above. And yet, God, you, you teach us in your word that on this earth, you have so designed it where your will is accomplished through your people. Lord, I pray that that revelation would, each of us all in different places, watching, listening, here in the room, I pray that that revelation would land and take root. Lord, I, I even ask in a way like that never has landed and taken root before. Wherever we have allowed wrong thinking with prayer, wrong attitudes, Lord, if we didn't get the answer we wanted or just stuff in life made us doubt or, or, or derailed us, we ask Holy Spirit, pull that stuff out and align us with your will, with your word, with, with truth. 
and help us see with a worldview that grasps oh, what you can do through the prayers of your people. And Lord, show us each how to take whatever our own next step is in our own life with prayer. Lord, I ask for all of us, may we just have a fresh fire in our hearts to seek your face. Lord, when we recognize what is prayer, it's seeking you, it's crying out, it's declaring your will, it's being fully invested in what matters to you. Lord, Lord, do a fresh work in our hearts that prayer would pour out of us. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you. Lord, not something that we would strive in the natural, but Lord, move us along. Holy Spirit, move us along in your, in your plan for us. Now, we just ask together for uh, our church family, for this congregation, uh, Lord, that you would, when we gather in this place, would we worship when we pray, when we gather together, Lord, we're asking, bring us deeper. Lord, I pray here tonight that you would unlock greater levels of, of intercession. I pray that you would unlock callings to greater levels of prayer and greater levels of intercession in the church family. We here in this room, Lord, just standing in the gap on behalf of the whole church family. And Lord, that picture that you gave, that when we gather and we pray, that we would pray heaven down. Lord, that that wouldn't be a, a neat thing that happens every now and then, but Lord, that that would be established as our culture. That worship would flood the room like we have never seen before. Praise would flood the room like we've never seen before. That prayer and intercession would flood the room out of the mouths and hearts of your people, Lord, like never before. And we say, precious Holy Spirit, we don't want to do that in the flesh. We don't want to operate in striving. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh upon us? As we, will, as we continue to seek, as we continue to get the, the distractions out, as we continue to push aside the weights and the sins that easily beset, Lord, as we continue to press in to your face and your heart, Holy Spirit, would you pour out upon us? Fill us to overflowing. Lord, not to uh, turn in on ourselves but to be your hands and your feet and your heart and your voice, your power, your gospel, your truth, your witness to all those that we would come into contact with, God. So Lord, we, we thank you for these things. Lord, we're leaning into you. Our eyes are on you. We love you so much. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let, let prayer as an obligation, prayer as a duty, let those mindsets be forever broken from our lives. 
So, Lord, just give ourselves over into your hands. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, even as we're standing on behalf of our whole church family, Lord, that you're hearing and that you're working. And we just give you so much glory for it. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.